Hey, Oklahoma, we did it. Thank y'all so much for being here tonight on an awesome, awesome evening. Oklahoma's primary election day led to a few surprises, a number of runoffs, and some big wins that set up a number of fascinating storylines leading into the next few months. Incumbent Governor Kevin Stitt won his party's nomination, as did Democrat Joy Hoffmeister, who will face Stitt in November. Stitt's Attorney General, John O'Connor, was defeated by Tulsa lawyer Gittner Drummond, a vote that will likely reshape the relationship between Stitt's camp and the Attorney General's office. On today's Listen Frontier, I talk with Frontier reporters Clifton Adcock, Kayla Branch, and Reese Gorman about those elections, as well as the congressional races and the Oklahoma County jail bond vote. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Listen Frontier, an election night edition. Uh, I'm at the beautiful, spacious Tulsa Press Club with Clifton Adcock, one of our reporters. Hello. We've been hanging out tonight watching the results come in. Eating extremely large pieces of pizza, just kind of watching what's happened uh, in the elections tonight. We're going to talk about a few of those, and then I will talk also with uh, Reese Gorman and Caleb Branch, two of our other reporters, about some of the races they're following. First off, Cliff, anything, you know, before we talk about some of the specific races, anything stand out to you tonight outside of the CD2 race that we'll talk to you about later? Anything stand out to you about any of the other races that you were sort of keep an eye on? Uh, yeah, lots of runoffs. Uh, so, yeah, we're looking at uh, runoffs possibly. There's uh, 92% of the, 93% of the precincts reporting. Uh, we're still under 50%. Uh, for Todd Russ for treasure, it's uh, he's at 49%. Um, next is Clark Jolly at 33%. Uh, superintendent's race that looks like it's going to a runoff uh, with Ryan Walters and uh, April Grace. Uh, we're looking at a runoff in the labor commissioner uh, with between uh, Leslie Osborne and Sean Roberts. Uh, corporation commissioner is going to run off. It looks like between between Kim David and Todd Thompson. Uh, for that's US. a corporation commissioner. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah, that's corporation commissioner, and then for uh, U.S. senator on the uh, Inhofe's uh, seat, uh, we've got Mark Wayne Mullen with a very big lead uh, going into that, forty-four percent, and it looks like he's going to face T.W. Shannon. And, and one interesting thing, I mean, we've got you know a big name out there who who's won statewide race before, Scott Pruitt, only pulling about five percent. Yeah, barely. He that was what um, you know. I, I knew I'd seen polling in that race, and I, you know we can talk about this a little bit more later. But I'd seen polling in that race. Obviously, we knew Pruitt was not going to do well, but to only get I think about two thousand more votes than uh, Randy Grellner statewide is not a guy who's very well known. Um, that's um, for, for uh, Pruitt. That's got to be very disappointing. So let's we'll talk about some of the bigger races, and then we'll get into the CD two race that you'll be writing about uh, later this week in the sure. governor primaries. Obviously, big win for uh, Kevin Stitt in his primary. Nothing unexpected, but he you know almost seventy percent of the vote with I think it looks like about ninety three percent of the vote in. He's got about seventy percent of the votes. Um, and then I think what's particularly interesting in that in the governor race is not obviously the Republican race, but the in the Democratic primary which Joy Hoffmeister is going to win. Um, she's at 61%, uh, Connie Johnson at 38 almost 39%. There's, there's still a few, it looks like about 100 precincts, 150 precincts out. But um, for Hoffmeister, I think she's probably, you know, tomorrow and tonight, I'm sure there'll be statements, and she'll put on a happy face about the results. Obviously, she'll win the primary. She can Now she can, can just focus on November and, and campaigning between now and then. But um, the turnout 
in that uh, Democratic uh, governor race, in that primary, very low. I mean, it's hard to compare it to 2018 because that was sort of a... The, the you know the we talked earlier about it that was sort of a blue wave election that Democrats are coming out to to vote to you know a sort of a re- rebuke of Donald Trump even in Oklahoma a turnout was particularly high in 2018 right. but you know for instance in that 2018 uh, Democratic primary um, Drew Edmondson had uh, 242 thousand votes there were just under 400 thousand votes total cast in that primary and then in this uh, in the Democratic primary uh, today, you know, this year, I mean, Hoffmeister's at 91,000 votes total. Fewer votes cast total so far, counted 93% of the uh, precincts in. 150,000 votes cast so far in the Democratic primary, which is fewer votes than Connie Johnson got in 2018 individually by herself. Right. So I think that's probably um, uh, a bad sign for, for Joy and a good sign uh, for Kevin Stitt, just the fact that you know, I, it's it's hard to to look at. It. A lot can change between now and November. But I would, you know, I think they would have been happier with a with more of a turnout, more voter um, motivation than they than they saw in this. So I'm sure, you know, obviously she's going to be happy moving on to the general election in November. But I think probably they're disappointed with that turnout. They they, they didn't motivate more voters to come out. Um, and we'll see right. what happens. It could have been, you know, I mean, I think. The minute that uh, Hoffmeister entered the race, people sort of assumed, okay, well, she's going to be the nominee. I mean, that's sort of been assumed since day one. And so um, right. maybe there were people who just felt they didn't have the need to come out and vote for that. She's going to be the nominee no matter yeah. what. Um, and, it, and it's always hard for the, the opposing party, uh, for the president who's in power at the time, the uh, whatever their party is, the, the opposite party usually benefits in the midterm elections. And, uh, I mean, that, that kind of you know goes down ballot too. So... Um, but 150,000—that's not a lot. I mean, that's you know barely yeah. scratching what, what we I, the had. Democratic in the Democratic turnout overall was very low, and I think the, the party um, is going to be pretty disappointed in uh, just the numbers overall. But we'll see. I mean, a long time between now and November. Um, some of the other races before we get into CD2, um, James Lankford, uh, you know, he. Uh, I think everyone expected him to win that that race, but he, you know, that was a, a pretty easy win. That was, I think they call AP called that for him at like seven oh two. So yeah, that was that, uh, that was, was over extremely early. Surprising how early they called. Um, I mean, held off uh, yeah. Jackson Lawmeyer, Tulsa Pastor. Um, we can talk about. In, let's see. Well, the two races that are still hanging out around the attorney general's race and the superintendent race. Attorney general. Let's see. Let me. Right. We got ninety three percent of the vote still in. in. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Drummond leading by only fifty one point one seven percent. Yeah, so it's down a little bit now. It's up to ninety five percent of the precincts and maybe this will be over by the time we're done recording. Um, one thousand eight hundred and eighty of nine of nineteen hundred and eighty four precincts in ninety five percent. And Drummond is up by about seven thousand votes. He's been around there. It's he's slowly O'Connor's cutting into the lead, and if you look at right. the precincts that are left to go, it's Oklahoma County and Tulsa County are the biggest, and I guess we can look at that race county by county and see how they're doing. Right. Um, O'Connor started out with a, or, I mean, I'm sorry, Drummond started out with a big lead, you know, with the absentee and the early voting and stuff, but then uh, the election day results have, have just been slowly whittling away. So if you look at the votes that are outstanding, the precincts that are outstanding, the majority of them are in Tulsa and Oklahoma counties, and Oklahoma County... Um, O'Connor is winning those uh, election day votes 
He's uh, at about uh, 51.5%, Drummond at 48.5%, and then in, we'll look up Tulsa County and see um, how they're doing. Both guys, Tulsa Tulsa guys, so you wouldn't expect there to be a, um, you know, a one guy way ahead of the other. Let's see. Right. The last time I looked, it was pretty close there. Yeah, see, O'Connor has a big lead in Tulsa. He's up by about 5,000 votes in Tulsa, and so that could be enough, I would think. If I was, uh, even though he's down about 7,000 votes, um, if I, I was in O'Connor's camp, there's still a, a shot for him to come right. back and win. That would be a late, a late victory. Right. Um, and Dr- Drummond is no stranger to very close losses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he lost by about 300 votes in 2018 to right. Mike Hunter, So, so But he's ahead so far, uh, but we're only, you know, we're looking at uh, now 90, about 95% of the precincts in. He's only up 51 to uh, 49, so... And then in the superintendent race, that's going to be a runoff between Ryan Walters and April Grace. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Walters, a big lead, uh, 41% of the vote. He's got about 135,000 votes. About 95% of those precincts are in. And then April Grace at about 100,000 votes, right. 30, 30%. So that'll be a runoff. You know, I know. We, yeah. um, and Walters' percentage has been fairly consistent throughout the night from yeah. the absentee to the early voting to the election day. He's, he's hung around 40, 41%. Throughout the whole race, the uh, the most coveted uh, part of that race now, between now and uh, August, when the runoffs happen, is going to be the John Cox voters, is because that's the you know if that's the number, that's what uh, if April Grace wants to win that runoff, she's got to take the the John Cox voters. I mean, they're going to be right. Uh, that's going to be the group that they're going to be appealing to. That. 80,000 people who are going to vote for John Cox today. So he right. won't make the runoff, but his voters are going to be very crucial in deciding who is going to win that uh, that runoff in August. So for um, the Senate Democrats, you can see uh, Horn, mm-hmm. Madison Horn, is going to be facing a runoff election. Uh, it looks like with uh, Jason Bollinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's with 95% of precincts reporting. Um, it's possible Dennis Baker might overtake Bollinger for second place, which is really what the race is for at this point. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's going to be Horn versus Bollinger or Baker, you know, whoever's in second place. So that's um, that's going to be an, an interesting one. But, again, we only have 151,000 votes total with 95% of precincts yeah. supporting. There's that low turnout again. Yeah, not a huge turnout uh, the Democrats this uh, these primaries. So let's talk about the CD2 race real quick. Um, and then we'll talk about it for a little bit, and then we'll go see if any updates in the superintendent and the AG's right. race. We're, we're kind of hanging out. Um, the CD2 race I thought was really interesting because, uh, you know, for a, it's a, a very specific reason, and it's just the number of candidates who right. are running for uh, that seat. And it looks like it's going to be um, Avery Fricks uh, and uh, Josh Burkeen right. in that runoff. And so. But that was one that, you know, it, you've got, I mean, how many of these guys are over 10%? Four or five, five of the candidates over 10%. So. Yeah. yeah, we have 14 people in the Republican <laughs> primary alone for this race. So, yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, no one, I don't think, no, no one got over 15%. Yeah, even 15%, yeah. I mean, you, if you round up, Fricks hits that 15%, but that's, you know, the highest number you've, you've got on there, so. Yeah, I think more interesting than the two people who um, are going to make the runoff is who is not going to make the runoff. And you've got uh, Johnny T. Hughes, Muskogee Police Chief, mm-hmm. uh, West No Fire, 
uh, who, you know, I'm from Tahlequah. He's a Tahlequah guy. He's very well known there um, with, you know, his uh, tribal affiliation with Cherokee Nation. He's known with the tribes, but also was a basketball player and a boxer. You may, if you've uh, been through Tahlequah, you may have seen the uh, billboard of him uh, f- and w- fighting uh, President Joe Biden with boxing gloves on. So he's not going to get his chance to knock out Joe Biden, it looks like. He could um, have been a contender, Joe. And then John Bennett, who, you know, he was a, a state lawmaker for a long time, very controversial, right. became the uh, Oklahoma GOP um, director. Uh, things did not go particularly well uh, just for that group. Uh, not you know, Obviously, the, the GOP party in Oklahoma is powerful and influential, but that specific group, the GOP party, but had some trouble under his leadership. He uh, decided to run and then... Uh, renounce uh, his leadership of the party and now is not going to make the runoff. And so um, that'll be the end of uh, uh, Bennett's run. But yeah, I think Avery Fricks, I think, is a guy who uh, people in, uh, he's a Muskogee County guy, people mm-hmm. there, he's a young guy, people know who he is. And that'll, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, right. Yeah, who takes that? That's, you know, and. Right. He's a state rep. Um, and then uh, the runoff opponent, Josh Burkeen, he's a former state senator, uh, very conservative from Cole County uh, down in Colgate area. So um, but he had a lot of uh, outside backing. Um, our uh, own reporter, Reese Gorman, uh, actually tweeted something about this out uh, the, tonight, uh, just about how he only spent around sixty thousand dollars of his own money of his own campaign money, I'm sorry, uh, campaigning for this spot, while uh, groups like uh, Club for Growth and uh, I believe there was a uh, school choice group uh, dropped around 600000 you know, more than 10 times what Burkine spent uh, on the election, uh, trying to get him elected, you know, in support of him. Uh, so uh, you're going to probably see a lot of those outside dark money groups, uh, dark money being... You know, you don't know who is actually donating the money uh, to uh, help the elections of uh, prospects of uh, candidates. Um, so, yeah, you're probably going to see a lot more of that, and uh, it might get down and dirty. Who knows? Yeah, that's what, one thing I'll be curious about, and, you know, I'm sure you'll be talking to these two guys uh, this week, is, uh, you know, that race was be- because you said there were 14 candidates in there. Right. Any the candidates were not necessarily running against each other so much because it's so hard to you can't run against 13 other people at the same time and but now that it's down to two it'll be interesting to see how they try to separate from each other um because you're looking at a vote total i mean a difference of about 800 votes right now that separate the two of them so i mean that that's still you know you're looking at what about twenty-two thousand votes for those two guys themselves in a in a race right. that seventy-seven thousand people voted in? And right. So that's going to be um, that, that'll probably be pretty hotly contested. I mean, with the you know a trip to Washington on the line, uh, the next few months will be interesting to see yeah. what happens between now and, and August. And traditionally, you know, the the runoff elections. I mean, it's even lower than the the voter turnout is often even lower than the primary election. Yeah. So. You know, it's it's whoever can get their people motivated to go out to those polls. Yep. And so then in some of the other races, uh, Frank Lucas, you know, District 3 uh, uh, representative, and um, Tom Cole, District 4 uh, United States representative, both uh, winning uh, in their primaries easily, those two guys who will likely be reelected. Um, Stephanie Bice winning in hers easily. Um, one, one other... I mean, it's. Uh, I think most people expected it, uh, but just uh, Cindy Bird, 
uh, for yeah, a state auditor you inspector. That. Uh, you know, j there's been a dark money campaign against her for uh, and for the challengers, uh, Steve McQuillan. Uh, Stephen McQuillan, um, allegedly funded by Epic Charter Schools, which you know between 20. 14 and 2018 was just spreading money around like crazy mm -hmm. and, and that has actually become uh, it seems like a liability for uh, a lot of folks just because that's part of the indictment those guys are facing that they were using money that was supposed to go to schools uh, that went into their uh, you know uh, charter school management company um, and then got turned around and sent back to uh, some of the same politicians uh, that we're, we're seeing today. Um, obviously, they, they donated to both Stitt and uh, Joy Hoffmeister. So, you know, uh, and one of the big things they were pushing against, allegedly, was, uh, you know, Cindy Bird's reelection. They were trying mm -hmm. to primary up. That didn't happen. She got about 70% of the vote, uh, which is, you know, pretty good sized margin of victory tonight so <laughs> yeah she did well that's been a big it's been a um i, I guess for her a, probably a pretty good couple of weeks for the uh epic uh co-founders a pretty bad week uh, right. mug shots yes. and arrests and no good very bad um, day yes and then about a million dollars that was burned in this uh race all for cindy bird to get 70 percent of the vote so <laughs> um anyway that's uh what we are um seeing tonight right now obviously like i said the attorney general race the state uh superintendent uh race those primaries are still uh close and ongoing um cliff is going to be riding about the cd2 race this week right. um so we'll see a story from him either late this week or early next week about that race um so stay tuned for that here in a minute i'm going to talk to uh kayla branch who is in oklahoma city today watching the uh, jail vote in Oklahoma County, which that is going to pass, um, and that will have big implications uh, for the criminal justice community in Oklahoma County. So I'll be talking to her in a little bit about that, and then uh, after we're done talking to her, we'll talk to Reese Gorman, who was watching the uh, Senate race for Inhofe's old seat. Uh, he'll be writing about that, but you know Reese. I, I told him I wanted five minutes uh, on that tonight for the podcast, and I'm sure that we'll talk for about 30 um, so we'll see how that goes. There might be a lot of editing being done in that conversation. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk to Kayla soon and then Reese. Um, and then we will get these uh, stories going. So everyone. And, and, and remember, uh, the, uh, the, the runoff election is going to be August 23rd. That is uh, when you'll see, uh, you know, the Republican or Democrat winners uh, from a lot of these runoff races. So go out and vote August 23rd, whoever you vote for. Right. Two months. Pay close attention for the next two months and then go vote in, in uh, late August. Okay. All right. So we will be back in a minute with uh, Kayla Branch, and then we'll talk to Reese, and then I will let everyone go. Thank you. All right. Kayla, um, you've been watching the uh, jail bond vote in Oklahoma County. It looks like, even though it's uh, a little bit early, you said about 81% of the vote in. It's looking like it's going to win It's uh, it's going to pass. It's been pretty steady at about 60% all day. Um, so, yeah, tell me what, you know, I know you're there in Oklahoma City. The jail obviously has been a big story in that county, in Oklahoma County, for a long time. Um, you're going to be writing about this uh, in the coming days. Just kind of what have you been uh, seeing tonight during, you know, as you've been watching the votes come in, but also what kind of, you know, what questions are you going to be asking? What are you trying to find out? Um, uh, you know, after today we, while you're working on this story. Definitely. Yeah, like you said, 
Um, it has had a really good approval rate um, all evening as the votes were coming in. And some people, um, I think, were not so sure what the outcome of this vote was going to be. And um, there has been about two decades worth of work from local county officials, from other um, business leaders and, and other groups in Oklahoma County that have really been pushing for a new jail. Um, the county jail has decades-long history of poor management, several inmate deaths a year, and the federal government watches the jail because it's so problematic. So, you know, there's been a lot of work of trying to figure out what needs to happen. And a lot of people agree that the county jail, um, just the way that it's built, has been a real problem, just structurally. Um, it's 13 stories tall, and most jails are, are not built like that. Uh, and so there, there's been an agreement that the, the building has been an issue, um, and, and but it's still, it's taken years of persuasion um, of Oklahoma County community members um, that they needed to approve, you know, additional funding to build uh, a new building. Uh, and, and that's what happened tonight. Um, and I assume, you know, like you said, we're about 81% right now at, at the time we're recording this um, of precincts reporting in Oklahoma County, but I, I assume it's going to pass pretty easily. Yeah, it's um that, that was an interesting uh, race or an inter interesting vote for a, a number of reasons. And I, I, I was thinking, you know, this week about that vote. And obviously I'm in Tulsa, and so it's not a race that, uh, that I can vote in, you know. But it, there, it seems like there's a number of different um, factions of voters when it comes to the jail. And you have people mm -hmm. who, um, like, for instance, uh, you know, state lawmaker Forrest Bennett this week, or maybe it was late last week, was urging people on Twitter and saying, we need a new jail. Like, I understand um that there are you know he's a democrat uh he, he he said you know basically i understand that there are progressive voters who will not support spending you know millions of taxpayer dollars on a jail on incarceration mm -hmm. um and that for a lot of those people saying hey we're gonna have a bigger nicer jail it's not necessarily a, sell a selling point that you know that there are people right. who, um, especially progressive people in that county who do not want uh you know there to be probably any jail but Forrest Bennett was urging, he was saying, people, please vote for this, uh, pass it. We, people die in this jail. If you've been, I've been in that jail a number of times for tours, mm -hmm. the stories that we've worked on. It's, you know, I mean, it doesn't take a seasoned jail veteran to, to see the issues that, that, um, uh, that building, uh, has. And so, um, but yeah, I just, I wondered if that would be an issue. You know, there are people who don't want to commit, uh, millions of dollars of taxpayer money to any type of building. Um, much less a jail. There's progressive people who, you know, are trying to um, would like to change the entire criminal justice system in the state who won't support a jail, but sort of the more, I guess, pragmatic uh, type of voters, it looks like, came out in support of that bond saying, you know, I mean, it, it just it's such a, it felt like such a black eye on the community every time an inmate there would die because the response would just be like, yeah, another one, you know, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's just so, it's not a rare event. And it just felt like, you, I, I wondered if either that would push the vote toward passing because there would be people who would say, well, we need a new building and we need, people are going to be in jail regardless of how I feel about criminal justice. Um, and we need them to be in a safe environment or if, the mismanagement of that jail and just the way it was built. I mean, we, you know, Brianna Bailey, our managing editor, has written a number of stories in jail and uh, and the issues that it's faced. And I just wondered if that would be, um, you know, the way the jail was operated for so long, if that would be such a black eye that it might turn people off of voting for a new building and say, oh, we're going to vote for 
spend millions of dollars on a new building that will just be mismanaged the same way the old one was. But it looks like it's going to pass. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, the opposition to building a, a new jail with a $260 million bond was not insignificant, right? Like, there were tens of thousands of people that did get out and vote no mm-hmm. on that proposition. And I think that, yeah, you you um, really got it right on the nose there because a lot of people, again, agree this building is problematic. People die there. It's got mold issues. It's got bed bugs. The medical unit is on and, and the mental health unit on the 13th floor. You have to, you know, use three elevators to get up and down. And mm-hmm. But, you know, and so they're like, we need to address those issues because, like you said, people are going to be incarcerated in our community, and we should give them, you know, humane um, living conditions to be in if they are incarcerated. But, you know, there there is that. Uh, frustration around the management of the jail. You know, one of the biggest issues is staffing um, and and just having enough staff at the jail, but also the staff that are there. I mean, you know, a lot of them have gotten in legal trouble because they have brought in illegal substances in the jail. You know, they've done other things. They've treated uh, inmates very, very terribly. And so there's been a lot of issues there um, and, and a lot of distrust from you know, the sheriff's office when they ran into the jail to now the jail trust running the jail. Just a lot of a lot of frustration from community members and distrust about how the county um, you know, will operate um, the jail currently and the new jail uh, in the future. And I think we definitely saw that tonight with just the amount of people that voted no, because um, even though it'll be $260 million that's going to go to build this new jail, um, it actually wasn't going to raise people's um, property taxes and just the way that, that um, the money was going to work out. Uh, and so it wasn't that people, you know, didn't want to have to pay more taxes. They, they weren't going to have to pay more taxes. So I think it really came down to, um, you know, just just the, the ideology that you kind of mm-hmm. put out of, do we need a new building? And is that is needing that building enough to really push us um, to go ahead and, and approve this? Yeah, sure. Because for some people, you know, that was sort of described as we're, we're going to build a bigger, better jail. For some people, that's a selling point. For other people, the idea of a bigger jail is a negative because what do you do in a big jail? Well, you fill it with people. And, right. And I, that, you know, the idea of like, hey, give us a new jail. We're going to uh, incarcerate more people is not, you know, there are people there who are not fans of that. And so. Right. And, and I think that was a sticking point, the fact that it is going to be, by some estimates, you know, the plans aren't uh, totally finished, completely finished yet about what it's going to look like, how big it will be. But some people have said, you know, it could be as, as big as 50% bigger. Um, and, yeah, a lot of people are not interested in doing that um, and have said, you know, what we really wanted to see the, the folks who were opposing this bond was, you know, put more money right now into alternatives to incarceration, like mental health treatment, substance abuse treatment, housing, bail reform, all of these other things. Let's really focus on those for the next couple of years and then come back and say, you know, have a new plan for a smaller jail, a nicer but a smaller jail, now that we've got some of these other kind of, um, you know, root problems addressed that tend to lead to incarceration. That was kind of the the tone. And I think that is definitely a conversation that resonates with Oklahoma County residents, Oklahoma County voters. There's a lot of um, local money that's going to go to some of those alternatives to incarceration, to housing, to mental health and substance use treatment. Um, But it just, you know, wasn't enough to convince people to not not go ahead and approve, you know, a new jail building now. Yeah, well, um, you know, like I said, you'll be writing about that this week. Um, there will be a number of viewpoints to get in that story, so good luck. Um, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for keeping an eye on that race tonight or on that vote, and then, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later in the week. Sounds great. Thanks so much. All right, thank you.
Okay, I am on the phone with a very distracted Reese Gorman. Who's, he's tracking about 97 different races right now. <laughs> but I'm going to speak to him specifically about the race that he'll be writing about um, this week. He actually ended up, Reese, unfortunately, with the most boring of the elections that we were particularly interested in. Uh, Mark Wayne Mullen uh, cakewalking to the runoff against T.W. Shannon. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you were looking for tonight, what you saw um, in that race in particular. What were you what were you trying to keep an eye on, and what did you see? Well, I was really just looking at, I mean, it was pretty obvious that Mullen and T.W. are going to be the winners, and um, there were really no surprises. I mean, at first, I guess the biggest surprise was um, Luke Holland um, overperforming. I mean, it was he was always polling at like four percent, like a kind of last of the front runners. He ended up getting third, polling at eleven percent. I'm pretty sure. Let me pull that up. He finished it right now. He's a little bit below uh, Nathan Dom, about twenty five hundred. Yeah, which is arguably pretty good. I mean, for he yeah, got Dom has a lot of name recognition. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he can he can hang his hat on that. Yeah. So. That was really the surprise. I think at one point in the night, I was—I thought that Mullen might very well um, just run away with it, not needing a runoff. I Man, at one point he almost got to 47%. I want to see is at 46.8, and so it was looking like, oh my God, he might actually just do this. And then as the votes kept coming in, he continually kind of went down. And next thing you know, he ended up right where he thought it would be a runoff with him and TW. Yeah, I think if, if he had uh, avoided a runoff in a race with 13 candidates or whatever the number is, that would have been pretty uh, uh, surprising. But, yeah, it looks like uh, Mullen obviously was a favorite uh, in that race the minute he declared, and uh, no surprises there. I, yeah, it was that was really a thing all night and leading up to, you know, polls closing at seven, uh, mm-hmm. sort of the race for number two. Um, and it was always, I think, T.W. Shannon's um, spot to lose, but, he, uh, I think, performed about what uh, everyone expected. I mean, I kind of expected him to be at around the 20% mark, so he just about got there, like a crowded field. So yeah. um, he'll have some uh, ground to make up, but you do have, you know, and uh, people trick themselves into this every year um, heading into a runoff, but you're looking at a race where 350,000 people voted, um, a little bit more than 350,000 people voted, and 150,000 of them voted for Mullen. So you've got 200,000 votes out there that did not go to the person who, um, you know, uh, had the most, uh, the highest vote total in the primary. So there's some, you know, there's plenty of people out there for Shannon to try and appeal to between now and August if he's wanting to make up, which is now a pretty large deficit. Um, yeah, but also you got to, yeah, and you got to remember too, I mean, there's the rod office got significantly lower turnout. So, um, Mullen's not going to get 154,000 votes in the run in the in the runoff, and so I think that he does have a better chance just between him and Mullen. I mean, there is some differences between the two, um, and but I can guarantee you a lot of money is going to be spent. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what um, T.W. Shannon's plan is for the next two months because that is a lot of ground to make up. Does he want to just you know sometimes guys. Um, they hit the runoff a little two months in between the primary and the runoff, and they they think uh, it's too much ground to make up. Um, I will just sort of coast through these two months, hoping to keep just my name and the headlines a little bit for whatever I want to do next, or does he actually want to go and fight and try to make up the difference and win? So that'll be an interesting 
Um, I, I don't. I don't mean to speak for TW here, but I think that he wants to win. I think after losing to Linkford, after being up by 17 points one, at one point during the race in the special election in 2014, I think he has a sort of revenge out that he want. He wants to win, and um, I think he'll. He wants to be a rising star. I mean, it's really almost surprising yeah. that you know if you had told me I don't know six seven years ago that he would you know be this far behind in a race for an you know, a Senate seat, I think I'd be surprised because he was a guy who looked like he was on, you know, the the upswing and um yeah, his career's kind of stalled out a little bit. Yeah, and so I think he has something to prove because arguably I feel like if he loses this race his political career is pretty much over. I mean what else is he gonna do? Uh, I mean when you lose two statewide elections you can't really you can try to run for more but at some point people stop taking you as a serious candidate. So yeah. I think that That's he back from clearly has political aspirations and it's something that I feel like he will try really hard to win. Um, and let's talk about, I talked with uh, Cliff about this a little bit earlier, but let's talk about the um, district two race. Um, which is, again, I think there was about 39 candidates in that race. <laughs> Just okay. about. Um, so, you know, going to be run off between Avery Fricks and Josh Bakeem, but tell me a little bit about those two guys and what you know about them and um, what you kind of expect to see in that race in the next two months. Yeah, so Josh Rakeen, former state rep- state senator, my bad, and was one of the staunchly conservative ones. And something, he, he was the former staffer of Tom Coburn, and he was endorsed by Tom Coburn's wife, which is why Cluster Growth got him, because Coburn was a big no guy. Cluster Growth loved Tom Coburn. So whenever, so Cluster Growth loved that kind of stuff. And so they got behind. They threw almost 600k into the race behind Burkine. Burkine only spent 68 grand of his own money to show just how much Cluster goes back. And then take it. Burkine didn't have money to spend. He only raised 111. He only raised 100. So Josh Burkine only raised 118 thousand dollars, spent 64 thousand. And so you're not going to win a race like that. But when you have Cluster Growth throwing in 600k behind you. That's huge. They're fully backing him. But I can tell you right now, a lot of establishment Republicans in Oklahoma uh, will be fighting hard to ensure that Burkine does not get elected. They do not like Burkine just because of him being a no guy and being kind of um, one of those more um, right, like farther right wing. And and I don't think Burkine is super, I mean, from my conversation with him, I don't think he's super out there. He, He will be kind of one of those antagonizers in Congress, not like, um, someone that just is always voting no, kind of vote, not mm-hmm. like just really staunchly conservative, and so there's that. And I, I mean, but also where Club for Growth comes in, there also a congressional leadership fund comes in opposing Club for Growth because um, they do not want someone in there that just says no all the time because congressional leadership wants someone who's gonna say the party line. And so I can see that voting probably coming back in back in Frick, and. Um, also, probably some more money is going to be coming in that way too. So, Fritz does have a lot of money. He comes both comes from money. I mean, you raised 417 grand and spent 246. He also has a dark money group behind him, American Jobs and Growth Pack, that's dropped 121k behind on him. So, not as much as uh, Burkine got, but a little bit. So, there's going to be a lot of money thrown in this. It's staunchly Republican. It's going to stay that that way. You don't really got to worry about the general election. So. They're going to throw all this money into this race and it's, it's into the into the runoff and see who wins. Yeah, I mean, that's a very, like, if you look at it, it's interesting to me to see the vote totals and to see that, you know, for one thing, only 800 votes separated uh, Fricks and Burkine, so there's a lot of votes up there. 
uh, for them to bolt the hunt between now and the runoff. But also, you know, you look at Avery Frick's 11,000 votes for Keen, uh, 10,570 votes. And this is for a, a uh, decision that you can, um, you, you can see what it, uh, how influential it is and why that they, these two would go after it so hard and why there is all this money in there. Because if you look at Mark Wayne Mullen, he had, um, you know, spent his time in this seat and now is going to, um, you know, I guess would look like the favorite to, uh, to take that, um, the Senate seat. And if you, you know, follow the Senate very much, you know that uh, Jim Inhofe was uh, an Oklahoma senator for about 400 years. And so you can get that, you can get elected there and you can stay there for a long time. And it's, um, so this could be the first step of a very, um, you know, lengthy career in Congress for either of these guys. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what their plans are between now and um, August and how they plan on, uh, separating from each other between now and then. Yeah. And Avery Frick is 28 years old, so he's has years ahead of him. I mean, he's he's not going to go. It's not like he's going to die of old age anytime soon. So he could stay in there for as long as he wants. Probably retire in that seat if he chooses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. We've got reporters working on that story. Reese will be working on uh, Senate story. I'll go ahead and let Reese go so we can go to bed. I know he's up way past his bedtime. Um, and then I'm going to jump back on with uh, Cliff Adcock real quick and give everyone an update on the attorney general's race, uh, which is now looking like it's pretty wrapped up. So, Reese, um, good to talk to you. We will hopefully see a story from you soon. I'm sure I'll get about 19, 20 phone calls from you tomorrow. Okay, uh, everyone, we're going to do a little bonus additional, a little hidden track uh, <laughs> update on the elections. You know, when I last talked to Cliff, who I'm still here next to, at the Tulsa Press Club, but uh, when I last talked to him, there were um, a few votes left in the attorney general race and the state superintendent race, but both of those are looking like they're wrapped up now. Um, only five precincts left in the attorney general race, and it looks like Gentner Drummond is going to hold on and win. Um, he's got, it looks like he's going to win by about 6,000 votes right now, uh, about 51% for Drummond and 49% for O'Connor. It was a really interesting race. Um, in the lead-up because you've got Drummond, who still has some name recognition because uh, of his close loss, obviously, to Mike Hunter in 2018. Uh, and the question was sort of, would voters look at O'Connor, who was appointed to that position after Hunter, uh, after Mike Hunter resigned? Would they look at him as the incumbent, or would they look at these guys as two sort of like equal, um, two guys on equal footing? And it looks like Drummond is going to come out um, with the... Uh, Republican nod for attorney general. So that is just real interesting to see because that is, um, you know, O'Connor is a guy who was handpicked for that position by the governor and voters said no. And they, they said no to him for attorney general. I'm, I'm curious what this means for, you know, Cliff, you and I talked about this uh, a little bit earlier, but what this means for tribal relations with the state, because O'Connor has been um, sort of regarded as Stitt's uh, attack dog somewhat uh, on with the McGirt stuff and tribal relations and these lawsuits, and uh, he won't be there much longer. So right. it'll be interesting, interesting to see what Drummond, what, what how Drummond handles that position, because um, for the most part, and you can argue this is good or bad, an attorney general and a governor typically work pretty – uh, if they're going to be an efficient uh, relationship, they work pretty hand-in-hand hand with each other. And um, I don't think that Drummond is necessarily, um, you know, opposite of Stitt on many issues, but he has been opposite of uh, him in his, uh, you know, the things that he said about the McGirt decision and about relations with the tribes and about these lawsuits. And so 
uh, yeah, there could be some disconnect in the attorney general's office. And, you know, there was, and, you know, the reason it sounds like maybe a bigger deal than it is to some degree because, um, you know, there were things that uh, Hunter and uh, Stitt disagreed on, uh, but they still worked pretty hand-in-hand um, on, on most things, opioid settlement. I mean, they were all very, um, you know, pleased with some, with some of those outcomes. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Drummond handles um, uh, that job. And so that... Yeah, I don't know if we'd classify that necessarily as a surprise, but uh, that was one of the things that everyone sort of had their eye on all night, and it looks like Drummond's mm-hmm. going to win. So, Cliff, what do yeah. you think? Um, yeah, what, what do you see coming um, with that relationship in that office? Uh, yeah, I mean, Drummond uh, or O'Connor obviously has been uh, you know very close to Stitt, you know, with the, as far as like the talking points about the McGirt decision and stuff like that. And uh, you know, o- O'Connor um, once he was appointed by Stitt um, uh, to replace uh, Mike Hunter, uh, you know, he he filed you know dozens of suits trying to get the U.S. Supreme Court to reconsider or to limit in some way the uh, the McGirt decision. So so he's been really aggressive. On that approach, and, and I think uh, you know that that obviously lost him support uh, from uh, the tribes, which are you know powerful you know uh, political entities here in the state. Um, Drummond, you know, signaled that he was more open to working with them, and I think the tribes really you know got behind that. So, so I think uh, you know you're seeing you, some of the interesting returns here. You know, you see like Drummond losing um, Cherokee County, though. You know, which is a seat of the Cherokee Nation, which is you know, kind of odd and go, goes against uh, you know what you might think uh, would happen in this. Um, let's see, uh, looking at Cherokee County, yeah, uh, O'Connor actually came out ahead there in Cherokee mm-hmm. County, and then you're uh, looking at uh, places like, uh, you know, but you look at uh, Bryan County, uh, you know, uh, which uh, is uh, seat of the uh, Choctaw Nation, and Drummond almost almost doubled uh, uh, O'Connor's vote totals, um, and, and you know it's interesting. Uh, the, for all the talk of the urban-rural divide here, um, you can see that O'Connor actually is is winning Oklahoma County, um, and, and there's still 98 percent of precincts reporting, so there's still a little bit out. But he he's edging out um, O'Connor by more than, or I'm sorry, O'Connor is edging out Drummond in Oklahoma County by a uh, thousand votes. And in Tulsa County, um, O'Connor uh, actually beat Drummond by about 4,000. Where Drummond made that up, it looks like, is some, in some of the rural counties, mm-hmm. uh, w- which, you know, is the opposite from what we saw in the Republican primary in 2018 with Stitt. Uh, Stitt had a lot of support in the rural counties, um, you know, whereas uh, Cornette had most of his support in the urban counties. Um, so it's, it's kind of a mirror image of that, it seems like. Yeah, it looks like O'Connor's on, we're watching Channel 6 right now, it looks like he's given his concession speech or just wrapped up his concession speech right now. Okay. So. I, w- I was expecting a possible recount, uh, a request for a recount uh, in, under Oklahoma law, regardless of what the, the divide is on the vote, uh, a candidate can request a recount. They have to pay for it, though, that's the thing. So, uh, But, yeah, it looks like uh, he's conceding, uh, so... Possibly no recount on that. Yep, that'll be interesting. I mean, like you said, the Stitt's uh, camp, their hope for the McGirt decision all along has been to get it back in front of the Supreme Court. And 
Um, obviously, O'Connor seemed much more likely to play ball mm-hmm. uh, in, with that than um, maybe Drummond will. I mean, we'll see. People say a lot of things uh, to win a primary and then necessarily don't, uh, you know, hold up their end of the bargain later on. So we'll see. We'll right. see what, what happens there. But that's definitely something we'll be asking them about this week. Right. Oh, w- one other race I, I want to talk about. The, the, this is kind of a surprise. Um, in the Republican primary for District 11, um, it looks like uh, Wendy Stearman, who's the incumbent and uh, just won uh, her first election in 2020, is actually losing uh, to John Kane. Mm-hmm. So, Wendy Stearman was, uh, she kind of came under fire uh, back then because of the, there was a lot of QAnon <laughs> uh, um, campaigning on her end. And um, yeah, I saw that and noticed that earlier. She uh, has lost a state rep race right. to John King. So very interesting to dive into some of the precinct results and some of the voting totals just because the turnout in some of these races, I think, was lower than right. a lot of people hoped. And, you know, like you were talking about with the attorney general's race, the, the, mm-hmm. the sort of county-by-county county breakdown. Looks like there's going to be some interesting facts, some interesting data in some of those. So that'll be fun to look at in the next coming days. And like I said, we'll have a number of stories between now and early next week on some of these, some of the bigger, more influential races today and sort of leading up into August and November. And uh, you'll be hearing a lot from us. So uh, we'll talk to everyone later. Uh, appreciate everyone listening to